podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. So before we get going with the show, we want to talk about some really cool upcoming stuff that we have going on and some ways to be more interactive with one of the podcasts, but also just your personal financial journey yourself. So um, we, we have a couple different Facebook groups that we recommend you join. So the first one, a lot of you might be on already, and that is the Saver and the Spender podcast Facebook group. Um, I'll put the link in there, but if you just go into Facebook and search the Saver and the Spender podcast uh, pay off debt. I think if you put saver and the spender, it's going to be the first one that pops up. But I mean, we post a ton in there. There's a lot of good conversations about what we talk about in the podcast and uh, Kelsa and I uh, answer questions, but also the people and the members in the group also give their feedback. Uh, if you have a question about your budget or paying off debt. Um, and so it's just a great resource. It's free to join. You just have to ask to join. We automatically will uh, approve you. You're in. Um, so that's one great uh, Facebook group for you to join and just kind of stay in the loop with everything personal finance and the podcast. Perfect. Uh, the other one that we have is a Facebook group dear and near to my heart, which is called Financial Coaches Unite. Uh, I created this just a few months ago. Uh, you know, for years and years, I've been doing this, and I was the only financial coach that I knew, and I have felt alone in that journey. Uh, and now I want it to be where there are more financial coaches in our world. I want there to be more people helping individuals, couples, small business owners better manage their money. And I know some people listen to our podcast or watch us on Facebook and all of that because they, you know, like the cost savings ideas or they like to talk about money. And some of you do it because you have a passion for your own money and you really maybe have a desire to help family, friends, um, strangers better manage their money. And, you know, being a financial coach is maybe something that you've mulled over and you're just not sure if it's something you could do. Financial Coaches Unite is a Facebook group. Again, you have to ask to join. You just type in Financial Coaches Unite in Facebook and it will come up. And it's a great place for aspiring and veteran financial coaches. We share ideas. We talk about challenges, um, both from a business model perspective, but also like the best way we can serve our clients and get the best results with individuals to motivate them, drive them. Um, it can be a really scary thing to figure out like how do we start this as a business or how do we grow as a business owner if we are one already. So whether or not you have a desire to do it as a side hustle or you have a desire to maybe like leave your full-time gig and do it as a career. Either way, Financial Coaches Unite is a really great place to, to, to jump in, you know, start talking with other people and, and really just take the next step in that, you know, journey of yours to be a financial coach. So Financial Coaches Unite, check it out. And it's been like the conversations on there have been awesome. If you're at, at all at that point in your life where you want to help people with their money, like the, everybody is at a different point. Some people are just helping their friends and family. Some people are, you know, are calling themselves financial and that is their full-time job. They've taken that leap and that's awesome. And um, like the, the tips that people have has been awesome. So it's, mm -hmm. it's just a great for whatever part of that journey, journey you are on. Um, so check that out. The next thing I want to talk about coming up here is we, we actually have some workshops coming up and we've been doing workshops for a long time and they have been mostly in person in our offices in Mesa, Arizona, and they've been awesome. And the, the, the reaction has been great, but we've, we've always people, every time we post about them or advertise for them, people say, well, do you do them online? And we never have. Um, and last a couple months ago, we, we had our first online workshop and it was a, a huge hit. We got a lot of, a lot of response from all over the country. Um, and because people want to learn how to budget and the right way to budget, uh, but they can't make it in person. So we're, we're doing online workshops on January 6th. Um, I will post the, uh, links in the, the show notes and maybe here on the Facebook in a couple minutes. But if you go to our Facebook page and go to our events, they are on there. You can sign up. Um, but and I want to clarify really quickly. So I think one of the reasons why I didn't want to do them online for so long is there's definitely this, um, you know, free webinar sort of 
strategy out there for marketing businesses. And the idea is that you get maybe like a really small nugget of information and then a sales pitch. And that is not what this is. So this is an online workshop. We uh, The ticket price is $49. That includes you and one other person because we think it's really important, whether that's your spouse or a friend or a coworker. If you can show up with somebody else, it's going to be more likely that you've got that support system, somebody who else who knows what you're trying to do with your money. And we think that that's really powerful. So, you know, $49 for two people, it gets recorded and sent to you. So even if you can't participate live, which we think is most valuable, absolutely, because there's an open Q and a session or section of it. Um, so, but even if you can't for any reason, let's say you've got something going on that day, you register because you get a copy of it sent to you um, in your email so you can watch it at any time. It goes through step-by-step step how we budget, how we teach our clients to do it, gives you worksheets and downloads and tutorials and essentially everything you need to do it yourself. And the idea is that it is a full-on workshop. So there's really no reason after that that you uh, can't be budgeting in a much more productive, fluid way after the workshop. Yep. You'll leave with, we, we're going to give you uh, templates and worksheets and principles to use on your own so that you can take what you learn in the workshop and just go apply it immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a great thing. Now, and we actually have two different workshops that are going to piggyback off each other. There's one that is specifically for individuals, uh, single people and couples uh, that are basically not self-employed. Um, so if you, you know, you're yourself, you want to learn how to budget just to get to wrangle your personal finances, or if you share finances with somebody else, a significant other, wife, husband, whatever, um, then you know more specifically, this is for you. We're going to tell you how to share your finances. So that's one class. This workshop is called—I don't think we even mentioned it. It's called Five Steps to a Better Budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, our budgeting system is five simple steps. We're going to tell you how to do each one, and then you're going to leave with the framework for your own budget. Um, so the second workshop, which is going to piggyback off the first one, uh, is called Five Steps for a Better Budget, the Solopreneur Edition. So if you are a small business owner where you have less than three employees, right, you, mm-hmm. you, um, or you're a solopreneur, it's just you, um, this is specifically for you. And, and we're going to go into detail on how to manage your uh, business finances and your personal finances at the same time. Uh, really, and for those people that are solopreneurs and small business owners, it's really about a variable income, right? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, the separation between the two business and personal checking accounts, like how do you begin to separate those two? That is just so, such an overwhelming uh, concept for some people getting started in their own business. And then, um, or if people have them separated, they're not really sure how, what the flow of money should be from one to the other. So we help them design that, create that. Uh, we separate the two and then we create budgets for both. And, and uh, it's, just its own beast when you own a business. It's very, very different from, you know, somebody who has a steady paycheck coming in every two weeks. Um, Both have their own sets of challenges and pros and cons. And so the workshops are designed to tackle those more specifically for those two groups of people. Exactly. Great. Um, So workshops, January 6th, 2018, 10 a.m. Arizona time. I don't know what that means for you. We don't (laughs) celebrate... We don't celebrate uh, or embrace daylight savings time in here. Um, we, we despise time zone changes. Like it, seriously, there's always an issue with a client scheduling thing. We even have a software. We pay for a software that does time zone changes when clients schedule appointments. And without fail, there's still always like one hiccup that happens every six months when the seasons change. And boy, oh boy, I despise time zone changes. <laughs> so. so I think right now we are mountain standard time. We are, we are not Pacific. We are not Central. We're not Eastern. We're the other one. Sure. I don't know. We're two hours away <laughs> from Eastern. We're one hour ahead of Pacific. So We're right and everyone else is wrong. That's all and that matters. Yep. And, then, and then from Hawaii, I have no idea anymore. Yeah. No, no clue. What time is it right now, James? We'll find out. It's 1037 in Arizona right now. Yeah. Which means it's 1237 noon in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Anyways. Um, we also have coming up at the start of the new year, uh, along with the Financial Coaches Unite, we have a 
program called Financial Coach Academy. It is specifically designed to train people who want to become financial coaches, whether that is as a side hustle or as your full-time gig. Maybe you're already doing a little bit of it or possibly not doing any of it. And you want 2018 to be the year that you create a business around helping people with their money. Financial Coach Academy is a 10-week long program with me. uh, And it rolls out February 1st. Uh, but registration obviously starts before that. We are offering an early bird special right now, $500 off if you register before December 31st. Uh, and so that goes away. Most people will probably register in January. And uh, the last round that we had of that was amazing. And I cannot wait to do it again. If anything, I wish I, it was here now because I would do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, we've got people with websites done and they're helping people. They've got their programs designed. They've got their businesses set up from the back office standpoint, scheduling appointments, the contracts. You essentially get everything I have as a coach. And uh, because I want you out there helping people, I want you out there making our world better from a financial perspective. Uh, Money is the number one cause of stress in our country. It's the number one cause of divorce. And, uh, most people, 80% of people could not tackle a minor emergency if it happened today. And I think there needs to be more of us out there helping those people. It's a, there's a huge need and we can create a wonderful solution by getting more financial coaches trained to do this on their own. And that, that's what the Financial Coach Academy is all about. So check that out. And I think, babe, the website is financialcoachacademy.com. Right. Yep. Financialcoachacademy.com. You're so smart. You're so, that was just so easy. Good job. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) The code, if you, you know, early bird pricing is until December 31st is $500 off. Uh, The code is early bird. Um, What's the difference between Financial Coach Academy and like the Dave Ramsey Financial Coach training? Because we've actually had people ask that and they're like, oh, I'm trained by financial uh, coach from Dave Ramsey. And that, you know, what's the difference? Yeah, the great question. So I think he focuses a lot on like teaching his principles and making sure that you're teaching those principles to your clients where I don't believe that money is a one size fits all thing. So really the Financial Coach Academy is designed to help financial coaches design a business around their own coaching structure. So a lot of the times most people come into the academy and they know they want to help people, but as far as, well, how many sessions and how long is the session? And, you know, is it a four session program? Is it, you know, six months? Like what is the design of that? And I help individuals formulate all of that from the business perspective, as well as the financial training. So there's sessions, you guys can take a look at financialcoachacademy.com and we've list all the modules for 10 weeks and what we cover. And those are just the bullet points of what we cover. So you can imagine it's two hours every week. We really dive in, in a lot of detail into those topics that you'll see on those modules, but, um, you know, overcoming objections, you'll leave with like your packages figured out, Um, your why, all the back office things as well. So like a client schedules, what happens? Like, how do you manage your calendar? Uh, How does the client get the contract? What is that onboarding flow? So very much from a business model standpoint, because I don't only want you out there helping people. I want you to do it in the most successful way possible for you so that you can do it for a very long time. And if you're out there helping people, but can't pay your own bills or can't make a living doing it, it's probably going to be a short-term thing. And that's not what I want. I want people out there feeling really successful with their money um, and successful as a financial coach, as a business as well. And so that's what it's designed for. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so financialcoachacademy.com. Mm-hmm. Early yes. bird until December 31st. We are going to begin the conversation about Bitcoins. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We have uh, Shanna Tinjum from Heritage Financial Strategies on with us. Hi, Shanna. Hey. You are in your own um, office, it appears. I am. I am in beautiful downtown Gilbert. Yes. And I'm in my office and I just thought as I hit go live, like, oh, did I, do I need to clean up my desk before I hit go live? But eh, it's okay. <laughs> Um, we, uh, announced earlier in the week, no, I'm sorry, last week that we were going to be doing a podcast about, uh, Bitcoins and got some really great questions from some of you already. So we'll be, uh, including those in today's broadcast. But, uh, if you come up with any while we're talking, please let us know. Okay. I think I really wanted to start with, uh, 
one point that I hope you guys take away from this. I self-admittedly know nothing about Bitcoins. Okay. Everybody's asking me a bit about Bitcoins and I, and I don't know anything. I think it's really important that we all feel comfortable being inquisitive and learning and asking questions about financial concepts. Uh, I think it's one of the biggest most powerful skills and tools that we can have in our toolbox as an adult is knowing that it's okay to say you don't know something when it comes to whether it's buying a house, buying a car, um, investments, insurance, right? And just knowing that it's okay that you just ask a lot of questions, even if they sound stupid. Um, the fact that you are even asking is a very smart move. I self-admittedly know nothing about Bitcoins. And so I'm going to be asking a lot of questions today. Um, I joked with Shanna that this could be called Bitcoin knowledge for dummies because I'm on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But again, the, the point here is it's totally okay admitting that you don't know something, right? And uh, asking questions, being inquisitive, feeling empowered by uh, financial knowledge is hopefully one of the takeaways that people get when it comes to this podcast as well. So thank God I don't need to be an expert about this because we've got Shanna here. And uh, <laughs> time it comes to investments, uh, Shanna's my expert. So I just ask her, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, I'm curious, Shanna, how often right now are you asked about Bitcoins? Let's just start there. It feels like every hour, honestly. Um, I, in the last week, I've probably gotten at least a dozen, dozen questions from clients and even, you know, friends and family members about it. And um, I welcome the questions for sure. So I had to actually start to do some research. I'd heard about it. Um, I, I, I kind of on a conceptual level knew what it was, but I had to dig into it to, to know what to tell them. So um uh, and I had a bit of a, um, a, a Facebook disagreement with somebody I didn't even know this weekend, which is what prompted me to, uh, to reach out to you and say, we need to do a podcast on this one because so many people I think are jumping in right now. And it's um, a bit terrifying to me, honestly. Yeah. And I, same for me, I don't know if it's every hour necessarily, but every week or every other day, at least someone's saying a client, so what do you think about Bitcoins? And again, I admit, I don't know much, right? So I know that it is being talked about a lot. Uh, I tend to adopt the idea in general that like, I don't want to be the first of anything. Like I'm totally okay. Like not being the first to buy something when it first rolls out, like you know, I'll let everybody else buy it. They'll get the feedback. They'll work out the kinks. And then another round of people, like I'll be in that second round. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Bitcoins have been around for quite a while now. So where we're at in that process, who really knows? So I'm going to start with, like I said, Bitcoins for dummies. This was my, I had to like print this. I've got highlighted stuff here. I had to educate myself a little bit. Okay. So this is for everybody else too. Um, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Okay, so I'm going to read what a cryptocurrency means for those of you who don't know, like I didn't know. Okay, it's a digital or virtual currency that uses cryptography for security purposes. Uh, it's difficult to counterfeit because of this security feature, a defining feature of cryptocurrency, and arguably its most enduring allure is its organic nature. It is not issued by any central authority rendering it theoretically immune to government interference or manipulation, okay? Um, the first cryptocurrency to capture the public imagination was the Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. Uh, it was launched in 2009 by an individual or group known under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto. And I am so sorry if I said that incorrectly. Um, as of seven, uh, I'm sorry, September 2015, there were over 14.6 million Bitcoins in circulation with a total market value of $3.4 billion. That was September 2015. It has soared since then. So I'll be curious to see what those numbers are. We'll talk about current rates and all of that a little bit later. Um, I'm just going to read a couple of the benefits of what a, a cryptocurrency, so not necessarily Bitcoin, but uh, any cryptocurrency, okay? Um, makes it easier to transfer funds between two parties in a transaction. These transfers are facilitated through the use of public and private keys for security purposes. These fund transfers are done with minimal processing fees, 
allowing users to avoid the steep fees charged by most banks and financial financial institutions for wire transfers. Uh, Central to the genius of Bitcoin is the blockchain it uses to store an online ledger of all the transactions that have ever been conducted using Bitcoins, providing a data structure for this ledger that is exposed to a limited threat from hackers and can be copied across all computers running Bitcoin software. I thought that was pretty interesting because I've heard of like the Bitcoin needing to be on computers. I didn't really know what that meant. Uh, We're going to dive into that a little bit, but I thought that was pretty um, interesting. I did want to talk about one um, uh, fail safe though, or I'm sorry, one uh, drawback. Cryptocurrencies are not immune to the threat of hacking in Bitcoin's short history, the company has been subject to over 40 thefts, including a few that exceeded a million dollars in value. So just, I know people ask that question to me, like, well, aren't they foolproof or something? I didn't know the answer to that. They're not foolproof. I don't think anything really ever is. Um, so any, any thoughts on cryptocurrency? So elaborate on that. There's no like dollar bill you're going to hold on to. So when we hear the word Bitcoin, there's no physical coin in your pocket, right? No, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, is like a lot of the pictures that go with the articles online about Bitcoin show like actual coins. Oh, um, interesting. And that is you're the right. Case. They do. Yeah. And like yeah. preparing for this pic- uh, podcast, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's totally not even, it's, it's air essentially. Um, so it, it, really, when you look at it at its purest form, Bitcoin is a software play if you want to think about how people invest, right? So Bitcoin is a very similar type of investment like that, um, that Apple would have been in the very early years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, but, it, but it, it, it's twofold, really. It's a, it's a um, technology and it's also a way to transfer money that some might say is a bit, you know, sketchy or shady because it's, it can be under the radar, right? It, can, it could be used nefariously, which is part of the reason why people are like, ooh, you know, the government doesn't regulate it. And um, that's a good thing for some people. And- Gold or the dollar, you actually have something physical that you could take custody of to re- sell or use. If you invested in a gold brick and did the gold lost all of its value, you'd at least have a shiny gold brick. Um, with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, it's, it's, it is literally like you're investing in air or a promise of somebody to pay you for something that doesn't exist, if that makes any sense. It, it is a, a bit um, convoluted, but that's essentially um, what, what the promise is based on. I'm curious about this transferring thing. So like you can transfer money to people or Bitcoin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things. So let's say, uh, uh, and Shanna, you, you said this before we started, what is the current value of a Bitcoin right now? I'm going to look just to make sure a calamity hasn't happened because this is real time here. 17620 US dollars equals one Bitcoin as of right now. Okay, so I own one Bitcoin, let's say. I don't, everybody. Okay, so don't, <laughs> don't come trying to get my Bitcoin from me because I don't even own one. But let's say I did. <laughs> Let's say I did, and I want to transfer $10,000 to somebody. Can I transfer like $10,000 of my $17,000 Bitcoin? My understanding is that it has to be in full coin increment. So one coin equals X amount. Can you buy a, you have to buy a full Bitcoin? Or I heard that there's ways that you can actually buy fractions, but there's actually like what you're getting for it is really undervalued or something. It, that is absolutely the case. Yeah. So you can buy a fra- <laughs> This is going to sound ridiculous. You can do a timeshare on a Bitcoin, um, which is essentially what you just described, right? Think about that for a minute. You're, you're, you're sharing the time you own a, a Bitcoin, which seems completely ludicrous, but it's a way to invest in Bitcoin if you don't have $17,691 or whatever it's worth today. Um, and you do take a bit of a haircut because you don't have the ability without everybody else agreeing to transfer that Bitcoin. You, you, you just have an interest in a Bitcoin, essentially. Got it. Okay. Um, and this is where I'm going to reiterate that your job is just to ask questions. My job is to ask questions of things I've heard, just like you guys are asking us questions. And Shanna, your job is to be like, oh, no, Kelsa, that's not accurate, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. That, okay? I'm totally okay with that. You can tell me that, that something's wrong. Um, so... <laughs> 
let's really quickly talk about the uh, what a Bitcoin is. So again, it is a digital currency. It was created in 2009. So I'm going to do a little bit of education here that I learned. Um, for those of you who are like me and you're kind of like, I don't really want to admit that I don't know what a Bitcoin is. Um, <laughs> it, it follows the ideas set out in a white paper by the mysterious... Satoshi Nakamoto, whose true identity has yet to be verified. I find that very intriguing, by the way. Isn't that weird? I know. Uh, Bitcoin offers the promise of lower transaction fees than traditional online payment mechanisms and is operated by a decentralized authority, unlike government-issued currencies. Uh, There are no physical Bitcoins, only balances kept on a public ledger in the cloud that along with all Bitcoin transactions is verified by a massive amount of computer power. Or no, I'm sorry, computing power. Computing power. Yeah. Um, so this is where I personally start to gloss over a little bit. I'm kind of like, I don't get it. <laughs> um, totally. You know, um, I found uh, some of this interesting, so I wanted to read it for those of you who are the grammar um, obsessed. According to the official Bitcoin Foundation, the word Bitcoin with a capital B is capitalized in the context of referring to the entity or concept, whereas Bitcoin with a lower B is written in the lower case when referring to a quantity of the currency. For example, I traded 20 Bitcoin or the units themselves. The plural form can be either Bitcoin or Bitcoins. Wow. That's, that's, you know, it's interesting because I'm looking at, there's a good Wikipedia page on Bitcoin for those of you that want more of, of a layman's term history. And I wondered why some of, t- some of the time it was capitalized and some of the time it wasn't. So um, that is very interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, I read this other sort of tracking, you know, the price of this or what it's worth as of April, 2017. So eight months ago as time of this podcast, one Bitcoin was worth $1,223, which was a considerable jump from the late 2016 when it was around $770. So it's like nothing compared to the jump we are experiencing now, which Shanna had mentioned earlier. I don't know if this was maybe when you were muffled a little bit, so I'll just reiterate. The current value of one Bitcoin as of right now is $17,620. So $17,000 and 10 months ago, it was $1,200. And we wonder why everyone's talking about it. Right. It's the, and that's, that's where, where I think I get really passionate and really angry with people that are trying to um, convince people that this is the next wave of currency. And it might be. However, um, when something sounds too good to be true in my world, it probably is. And so maybe if you had the foresight to buy it, you know, in 2007 or, or, or I'm sorry, 2009 or 2010 before all of this. And it was like a, a lark, right? Like going, like what I've told the dozen people that I've talked to over the last 12, uh, 12 days or 15 days after this started to explode was that if this is money you were going to take to Vegas and put on double zero, great. Buy Bitcoin. Absolutely. No problem. Because that's a that's, that's gambling just as much as buying Bitcoin in my mind is gambling. If you're putting your retirement money into it or your kids' college money into it, run as fast and as far as you can. Or your um, because you don't any liquid savings. Oh my lord, right? That was the argument I got into on Facebook with with somebody I didn't even know on a neighborhood page that was trying to um, sell, uh, not really sell it. He told me he wasn't making any money off of it, but I don't believe that. Anyway, um, he had posted, if you want to know, I've made X amount of money and I'm, I'm a brilliant millionaire now. And if you want to know my secrets, let me know and I'll send you this, you know, free report or whatever. Um, and I saw a couple of people post, yeah, I'd like that. I'd like to know more, which I'm, I'm all for like you, right? I'm all for learning. Um, and then I went and looked at a couple of the pages of the people that, um, posted. And one of the ladies had said that she was worried that she didn't have enough money for Christmas presents for her kids. And yet I, my, I could not allow her to sink any money into Bitcoin, knowing that it probably was coming out of her, from food that was going into her kids' mouths, you know? So, um, that led me to ask a whole bunch of questions of him, which he didn't like. And, and ultimately I, I decided it wasn't worth the argument, but the bottom line is if, if, if you have disposable income, 
in my mind and you want to and you want to spend it or gamble it on something like this be my guest but it's just too scary for me to to do anything else Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because it's not, the answer is not no, it's just, is it right for you? You know, like I think right. the analogy of where is this disposable to you? If it's disposable to you, then you're willing to risk it. You're willing to say goodbye to it. You're willing to just kind of put it out there because that might happen. It could absolutely soar. And I know people are like, well, if I would have bought you know, 10 months ago and yada, yada. But you can't really say that that's what's going to happen 10 months from now. We don't know. And if it goes back down to where it was 10 months ago, are you willing to say goodbye to that money and those funds? And if so, maybe it's worth it, right? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, well, and Kelsa, the other thing that I wanted to, to point out is that the last podcast that you and I did together, we talked a lot about investor behavior, right? And I think part of the reason why most people that even if they are now Bitcoin millionaires, so to speak, um, they may not stay that way. They likely won't because they won't sell when it's the right time to sell because nobody really knows when the right time is to sell, right? So they might watch it write itself up and they can very likely watch it write itself down because, um, as Warren Buffett says that, you know, um, pigs get slaughtered. So when you get greedy, that's when you, um, have a hard time dealing with what you should do and you do what emotionally feels right. Yeah. That gives us to one of the comments that people had, uh, typed under our post asking for questions or thoughts or that kind of thing to share on the podcast. Somebody put, um, you know, what's the effect of following the crowd in this instance? You know, what does Warren Buffett say? Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Uh, if you were to follow that methodology right now, or that philosophy, if you will, you wouldn't be investing in Bitcoin right now. Um, or like, you know, maybe yeah, and if you owned it, you'd be selling it. <laughs> which I don't think is happening, right? That's very, very true. Yes. Um, do you think it's, so somebody said, is it a bubble? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you look at the history of Bitcoin, it's been through a few bubbles actually. Um, and it, it, I think like any investment, it's susceptible to market fluctuations and ups and downs. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, I think it it is because I think that's the inherent of any type of, and I'm using this term loosely with Bitcoin, quote, investment vehicle, right? I think that that, that, that it could very well be um, something that we see a, a large drop in. Because if you look at the history of it, um, you know, in let's say January of 2017 of this year, um, it lost 30% in a week, hmm. in a week. Um, the stock market has maybe only done that once or twice in its entire history. So, and that's pretty much happened once every year, 18 months since, since Bitcoin or cryptocurrency became a big deal. So is it a bubble possibly? And it could, it could be very, um, similar to gold in its trajectory, I would think. Yeah, I was really interested in how what determines the price, right? So I know mathematically how is stock price determined, and you know there's all of these right. theories out there. Um, so I was reading about mining, and I wanted to share this article or these uh, paragraphs from this article really quickly. Uh, Bitcoin's price is also quite dependent on the size of its mining network. Since the larger the network is, the more difficult and thus more costly it is to produce new, new Bitcoins. As a result, the price of Bitcoin has to increase as its cost of production also rises. The Bitcoin mining network's aggregate power has more than tripled over the past 12 months. Um, I wanted to read a little bit about, uh, what mining means. Cause of course I read that and I was like, what, like, what does that mean? (laughs) Right. Um, This is where your husband, Eric, Shannon's husband, Eric loves technology. He would like to it stuff. He would geek out on this all day long. Me. I Yeah. He totally would love this stuff for sure. Um, okay. Bitcoin mining is the process through which Bitcoins are released to come into circulation. Basically, I love this article because it says basically like I'm, you know, it's going to break it down for us. That's the nice thing. Okay. Um, (laughs) Basically, it involves solving a computationally difficult puzzle to discover a new block, which is added to the blockchain and receiving a reward in the form of a few Bitcoins. Okay. Is it, this is a little... Me, right. And I just want you to know that this set, that sentence right there started with the word basically. 
Okay. <laughs> and that means what? No. <laughs> Um, okay. The block reward was 50 new Bitcoins in 2009. It decreases every four years. As more and more Bitcoins are created, the difficulty of the mining process, that is the amount of computing power involved, increases. The mining difficulty began at 1.0 with Bitcoin's debut back in 2009. At the end of the year, it was only 1.18. As of April 2017, the mining difficulty is over 4.24 billion. Wow. Once an ordinary desktop computer sufficed for the mining process, now to combat the difficulty level, miners must use faster hardware hardware like application-specific integrated circuits, ASIC, more advanced processing units like graphic processing, GPUs, etc. Wow, right? Yeah. I think Steen's coming out of my ears now. <laughs> I uh, I think one of the philosophies that I've tried to adopt when it comes to my money personally, but also investments especially, is if I don't understand it, I probably shouldn't be involved with it. Yeah, I agree completely. And I know that that's and, and, not a philosophy that everybody wants to adopt necessarily. And I think that's, right. you know, some people tend to have you know, maybe they're riskier than I am, or they're, you know, they like to play a little bit or take the gamble. Um, For me, I tend to prefer, you know, some security, stability, things that I understand. Um, And so for me, if if you're listening and you're kind of like me and you're just like, I don't get the whole processing power, you know, thing that this is talking about, um, then Bitcoins aren't for you. And that's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. Right, you're not missing yeah, a totally, yep. fabulous opportunity. Um, uh, it, but trying to understand it more so that you can, you know, maybe invest in the timeshare that you were talking about, Shanna. Uh, <laughs> talk about the timeshare a little bit more because, in case that was part of what people might have missed while you're fo- while you're. Sure. And, and there are, um, um, companies, you know, that are fidelity, for example, has a mutual fund or an um, exchange traded fund, I believe it is that invests heavily in cryptocurrency. So you, you, you could buy cryptocurrency without buying the physical cryptocurrency, just like you could buy a share of Apple without buying a share of Apple if you bought it in a mutual fund. So for those people that are thinking, hey, I might want to play with this a little bit. I think that this, this might be interesting. Um, go buy a share of, of a mutual fund or, or some other type of investment that includes some cryptocurrency. Um, and because I, in my opinion is that those people will know when the right time is to sell far sooner than you and I will, um, cause they're following the market. But if you wanted to actually buy a, a, a share of a piece of cryptocurrency, it works so- similar in my understanding to a, um, to, to the, the stock market in that somebody has to be willing to sell you theirs in order for you to be able to buy buy in if that's the right terminology. Um, and that all kind of happens on an exchange that is very, um, gray, like it's not the stock exchange or, um, you're not going to find it online, you know, like a list of people looking to sell it. Although you might on like eBay or, you know, I don't know, I haven't looked, I guess that would be a fun exercise. Like, how do I buy a share of, of cryptocurrency and see where you can find one? You might be able to find one on Craigslist. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't know that I'd want to take that gamble either. But hey, you know, um, to each their own. So, um, so that so you know, there are a couple of ways to get involved with it that are much less risky than taking seventeen thousand six hundred ninety-one dollars today and buying one Bitcoin. Yeah. So one of the questions we got was, where do you start? So obviously, where do you start educating yourself? Right. I think that that's a good yeah. Step. Yep. Um, you could possibly start by, like you said, buying the mutual fund that includes it. Uh, that way it's one yep. way of being involved without direct involvement. Uh, and then the next step then is if you wanted to buy a Bitcoin, what do you do, Shanna? Yeah, great question. So there are coin exchanges, just like there are stock exchanges where you'd go to buy it. Um, the, uh, you know, so they're, they, um, handle not only bitcoins and litecoins, which is the next version of Bitcoin, by the way. I don't know if you saw that when you were reading, but that's like the next big thing, apparently. Any kind of cryptocurrency, but they handle actual coins. 
and stuff like that too. So, um, so that is one place that I would say would, would be far, uh, a far better place to go than, than, uh, Craigslist or eBay, um, or Facebook. Um, you know, but you, but those, those types of exchanges exist for that purpose. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And can, like, could you buy one for a client, Shanna, if they called you? So you would go to great question and buy one. Uh, I can't, and I, I can't buy physical gold or silver either. Um, in, in my, in, with, for, for my clients. Um, and, the, and I love that question, Kelsa, because, um, one of the, um, arguing points that was, that was, uh, that, that gentleman tried to use against me this weekend on the Facebook argument was, well, you don't recommend it cause you can't make a commission off of it. No, I can't. I also don't make a commission off of somebody buying a piece of rental real estate um, as part of their investment portfolio, but I tell clients to do it all the time um, because it's the right thing for them to do. I believe in real estate. I don't believe in Bitcoin or Litecoin or anything like that as an investment. As a fun way to gamble, for sure, go for it. But I'm certainly not going to recommend you put it in your portfolio. Got it. Yeah. Um, I imagine for any sci-fi geeks, like I tend to like sci-fi shows and movies and that kind of thing. I imagine where like, we're all wearing a watch and like, if you work out that day, you get points added to like your life or, you know, if you help a good Samaritan or something, then you get more points. But if you do something wrong, points get taken away from you. And that's just how we exchange through our life. You know, like that's the sci-fi thing. Yeah. Like, to me is what cryptocurrency is. So at some level, maybe cryptocurrency is, needed or will become more common and all of that. But I would guess, and this is a pure guess, that until that day comes, it's going to see a lot of volatility until it becomes much more commonplace. So do you want to get in now and you're okay with the volatility? This is where, you know, understanding your risk profile, your behaviors, your mindset is really important. Or do you want to let all that volatility happen for others and you'll, you know, get in when a little bit more stable sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So how safe is it is another question that somebody asked. From a technology standpoint, you know, I I do think a lot of the articles point to the fact that it's very safe and requires a lot of computing power to get hacked and all of that. It's not unhackable. You know, I think that's one of the things that we shared earlier in the podcast. Um, So that's the perspective from the safety of technology-wise safety as a investment vehicle. I think you answered that question a couple of times. <laughs> we don't need to beat that dead horse. You know how I feel. <laughs> yeah. uh, as an investment vehicle, not safe, but as a uh, fun little thing for you to do over the weekend, possibly if you're willing to do that. Um, <laughs> is it as great as I've heard? That's one of the- That's a really great question. Yeah. There's a lot of hype for sure about it because it seems like easy money. And I think anything that seems like easy money makes people feel like they're missing out if they don't do it. Um, you know, and, and so I, like Kelsa, I tend to shy away from those things that seem too good to be true. Um, but I, I'm very interested in it from a, like you said, Kelsa, from a moving money from place to place perspective, there are colleges overseas now accepting Bitcoin for payment of your tuition. Yeah, it, that's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and... Uh, I think from, you know, you think about the currency exchange and trying to calculate all of that. I mean, it really seems like a wide spectrum way of, you know... Solving that I, problem. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So that's why I think there is definitely a need and I can see it becoming mm-hmm. much more commonplace. I think we're leaning towards that. Um as it in, but that again, that's like it's a currency. So you would buy it in order to utilize it. It's not necessarily an investment. Then, exactly same way I feel about the dollar, by the way, or gold and silver, or um, hog futures, or any kind of quote currency that we have in the U.S. today. I don't suggest my clients invest in the U.S. dollar either. Now, there's a case to be made that the dollar is declining and whatever, but that's just not an asset class that I favor because of its volatility for most people. And I feel the same way for the same reason about Bitcoin, Litecoin, and cryptocurrency. Got it. So I'm at Christmas dinner and my uncle, let's say, starts talking about Bitcoin and it's, you know, you should invest in it. What's my answer, Shannon? What do I say? Make me sound smart (laughs) reply. Got it. Got it. 
Um, well, you know, I am going to, I'm going to steal a, um, a phrase from, uh, Dave Ramsey here. Those convinced against their will are of the same opinion still. Um, <laughs> so I don't think you're going to convince him not to do it, but I think that, um, you know, as I think that, you know, as long as it's part of a well-balanced investment plan for your uncle, have at it, right? Like if your uncle's a person that has a million dollars plus invested, um, is, is fully funding their IRAs and 401ks. And this is just kind of fun. And, 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 and he, and maybe he's made a lot of money, but you know, he's got other irons in the fire. Absolutely. Go for it. You know, but if your uncle is broke as a joke and um, is calling your parents to borrow money to invest in Litecoin, Bitcoin, or cryptocurrency, then we've got a problem. Yeah. Uh, and I think sometimes it's okay to just be like, oh, yeah, thanks. I'll look into that. And, you know, yeah, totally. We're involved in the conversation unless you want to. I, I really think sometimes these conversations, one of the best ways to tackle them is to ask a lot of questions if you want and see how much does that person really know. Um, what do they really understand? Not because you need to make a determination for yourself with those reasons or that that knowledge, but because it might just be really interesting to see how did they make that decision, right? Um, yeah, and, totally. And it, you're not giving them one way or the other on whether or not you plan to do it, which I think is also helpful, you know? So you know, totally. And, and, and that's what I always tell people is like your family, unless you want them to know your situation, doesn't need to know, especially at Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Right. <laughs> that's just something I, I suggest you, you avoid at all costs, politics, religion, and, and money or topics that are n- not a good thing to talk about after a bottle of wine and some tryptophan. So yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you think people need to know? Um, and if there's any other questions, let us know. We've, we've asked all the questions, uh, that people sent us, but, uh, anything else yeah, for sure. you know about Bitcoin? Yeah. So I found something really interesting and I'm going to ask you a, a question that might seem like it's completely off the wall, but it's totally not. Did you, in, did, did you go crazy for beanie babies years ago, Kelsa? Did you buy, like, did you, did you trade and collect beanie babies? I did not, but I had a family member who did. Yeah, so do I. Not a family member, but a close friend. Um, If you take a look at the history of Beanie Babies, you might get a really good sense for where cryptocurrency is headed. Really? Why do you say that? Well, it, it kind of went through a similar hysteria, and then they flooded the market with beanie babies of all different types and, and, and people were actually trading them. There was a, there's a, a, there is a notable story of a, of a, um, uh, of a a star on general hospital that sunk a hundred grand into beanie babies. And that was going to be his daughter's college fund, um, during the, the hype and the hysteria. Right. And then Ty flooded the marketplace with all of these different beanie babies and the collectors didn't have the money to keep up. So the price went from a crazy amount for all of these collectible Beanie Babies to nothing overnight. Um, and uh, that is, that's the fear with any type of investment when you have this hysteria or this you know, big push around it that, that I think we're seeing now with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is that the, uh, the, it's going, just the mere fact of what's going on in the market is going to cause some sort of calamity that, um, and the people that are going to, the people that got in early are already going to be out by the time we've lost what we invest as you and I, as individual investors. You know, one of the analogies that I think of in this same conversation is some of the multi-level marketing companies, right? So, um, I have a number of clients who do those as side hustles or even full-time jobs, and some of them are amazing. So I don't mean to knock this in any way, but a lot of the times it's the initial people who then end up getting the people underneath them that build the teams and all of that, that really make out, right? Like those are the people who um, see the, the biggest gains from that. And then by the time they say like, I'm done, I'm going to retire now, or I'm going to, you know, sell this business to somebody else. And it's become widespread. And then there's too many reps out there. There's too many consultants. It gets oversaturated and that sort of thing. I mean, I could see that same sort of thing happening here. 
Yeah, for sure. So I thought that was really interesting. I mean, there, there, there is some sort of an inherent function for Bitcoin as far as moving money. So the, will it completely disappear? Probably not. But, um, you know, it, it, I think that remains to be seen. But it, it, I, when I was researching for this podcast, I just I found that really, really interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. I think, you know, just to kind of sum up some of our points. One, you know, be inquisitive. Admit if you don't know, right? So this is not going to be the last time a new financial concept comes out or something that is a great deal or an investment. And, you know, try to feel really confident and comfortable asking a ton of questions. Finding an expert you could ask questions to, um, you know, maybe not just your best friend or something like that. Um, You know, determining if it's right for you. I think that is the ultimate point. So, you know, not allowing the hype to make a decision for you. If you've got some play money with the Bitcoin, Shanna is telling you, hey, that's a gamble, but go go for it. Have have some fun, right? Um, If that's something that you're willing to to do. Um, And yet she's also cautioning you with the reasonable nature of this and, you know, all of that. So I think uh, that's really the point here. Right. So it's, yep. Um, you got it. Something great is not great for everybody necessarily. Right. Yeah. It never is in, in, in any scenario. So that's advice to live by right there. Exactly. So hopefully this uh, podcast helped to educate some of you. It certainly helped uh, just in me doing the research on what exactly is a Bitcoin. Uh, hopefully it gave you a little bit better of an understanding of what that word means when people talk about it. Um, if you have any questions, I'm going to direct people to uh, Shanna Tinjum. Her phone number is 480-397-1184. Uh, her website is Heritage Financial az.com. Yes. You got it. Heritage.com. Um, and again, if you're just looking for somebody to give you an unbiased answer, I think she is your gal for sure. She is my go-to person for me asking questions on what the hell is this or what is <laughs> and, um, also from a client perspective, you know, when people have questions and they're hearing things about their investments, you know, Shanna always gives me the, the most honest and, uh, really unbiased advice. And so I just want to say thank you, Shanna, for being such a wonderful resource for me and my clients over the years. Oh, you're so welcome. It was super um, fun to get to do this and um, just be careful out there. That's the only thing that I got to say. Yeah. Thank you. Good. All right, everybody. Hopefully this was fun for you. We will be doing another podcast next week. And so we will see you then. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at IamFiscallyFit, and on Facebook at FiscalFitnessPHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.